that the Lord has made. Sit on it. <laughs> I gotta keep on saying all week, so fire me. <laughs> this is gonna get worse, and it's gonna get worse. <laughs> <laughs> At this time, I'd like to invite uh, Ann Sobel to come forward to give us our mission moment. There you are, Ann. You keep on changing around. Uh, yeah. around. Right. Yeah. Service, right? Right. Good morning. Good morning. What a privilege to be here. You know, I'm with our community, House of Hope, and we're a home, just like yours, where people can come in their last weeks of life People that choose not to be in the hospital. People that choose not to be in a skilled nursing home. People that want to be home, but maybe can't be in their own home because the care is requiring too much physical demands on the family. Or the children live out of state, would have to quit their jobs to come and take care of mom or dad. Or in some cases, it's for a young person who we all know it doesn't seem right that they're going to pass before the parent. And the parent has such emotional strain that they need help. We're a house. We have a front door just like yours. Many of us don't have them open anymore, but we're so trusting our doors are open from dawn till dusk, literally. You don't have to knock to come in. You just come in and you visit your loved one. You come and you find volunteers and staff who are there meeting every single need, every desire, every even last wish, if we possibly can, for that guest. The people that come to House of Hope have decided they're not giving up hope, but they're taking control of their last weeks and choose not to have more treatment or choose not to have any invasive actions to help them. We don't have IVs. We don't have all the pumps. We don't wear stethoscopes, and we don't wear nurses' uniforms, doctors' uniforms. We're people helping people. 
We meet everybody right where they are when they come, no matter their faith, no matter if they don't have any faith of any kind. We have a place where people can come and be reconciled with family, reconciled with their own regrets, forgiveness given, and love taken. You know, I happen to be a believer, as you are, and so being at a church and being able to speak is a wonderful thing, and sometimes Gary may have to kick me off because I can get going. But I will tell you what a privilege to be able to be invited into this circle of last days, to be with a small group of family and friends that surround their loved one, to say goodbye, and for those that have faith in Jesus Christ to know that they're going home, that they're leaving our community house of hope, a home for their eternal home. It's an honor. People will say to me, ah, oh, do you not get depressed? We get pretty sad sometimes, but we focus on the honor that we're given to be able to be where we are. I want to tell you a quick story, and it involves Gary. And by the way, I'm going to pray for you with a transition of leadership from Brian and Gary. Um, I should pray for them because they're going to miss you terribly. I've seen it this morning as they've spoken. But transition is hard, and that's what our Community House of Hope is about, is transition. And so we had a young woman, 27 years old. Her name was Tawny. She had glioblastoma, basically a, a brain tumor. And it was a long, long physical process that they could not cure. And she had a desire. Actually, she had two. One, she wanted these glitter-filled tennis shoes. Now, she was bed-bound. She couldn't get up. She couldn't even get in a wheelchair. But we got her those glitter tennis shoes. Now, for me, not my kind of thing, but for her, we put them on her in bed, and she laid there with so much happiness to have that. And literally, not two days later, she says, there's something I've always wanted to do. And we said, what? She said, I want to eat or try every flavor of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. <laughs> we, Gary did the service for this young lady, and she did that. In fact, we had to bring in an extra freezer for all the Ben and Jerry's ice cream because everybody in the home knew that that's what she wanted, so they'd go to the store and they'd find one that they hadn't seen before and they'd bring it. Well, odds are she'd already eaten it. But the other thing was that Ben and Jerry's, I swear, comes out with a new flavor every week. But you know what? That's what she wanted. And she would eat it at 7 in the morning and 2 in the morning. And it didn't matter. Because that's what we do. We meet the last wishes. We meet the last hope to be able to have a good death. So we're here to tell you about us, to ask you for your support, not just financially, while that's very generous of the church and of you personally, but really, we all know people that are in their end days. If not their last weeks, we know that they're quite ill. Whether it be from age or disease, please let them know that we exist. You do not pay a huge fee to come to House of Hope. We're a nonprofit. If you can help financially with the care, that's wonderful. We appreciate it. But no one is turned away. Just as the same as I feel that I have not been turned away, but I have been welcomed here today at all three services, and I'm honored to be with you. Thank you. Brian and I were just thinking, ice cream, two in the morning. 
10 in the morning. This, this is sounding good, huh, honey? <laughs> if you'd like to make a contribution, please use one of the mission envelopes you'll find in your pew. If you write your check out to the church, and then we'll write a check out to, uh, uh, to the, um, what Anne has shared with us today, we'll do that for you. And uh, that's very helpful to get that all directed in one way. So uh, thank you again. Uh, and you can leave now. You don't need to stay another service. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's, uh, I won't say a thing. Just don't say I didn't want to hear the bagpipes again. Okay. All right. May we stand as we join together in our hymn of celebration number 715, Rejoice, the Lord is King. And would you remain standing for the prayer of adoration? <laughs>
it's real, I'm gonna keep it alive. The road is long, there are mountains in our way, but we'll climb a step every day. Lord, lift us up where we belong. Where the eagles fly on a mountain high, Lord, lift us up where we belong. Far from the world we know, up where the clear winds blow. As we continue with a spirit and an attitude of prayer, may we join in our prayer hymn, Amazing Grace. We will sing verses 1, 2, 5, and 6. Amazing 
Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise that we might come to you in prayer to give you thanks for your grace and your mercy, that we might come exactly as we are, knowing that you'll receive us. We give you thanks and praise for the joys that we lift up, the things that we rejoice and in which we rejoice, the gift of music and of friendships, the gift of family and fellowship. We give you thanks and praise for the opportunity to come before the throne of your grace, to lay before you our hurts, our fears, and our sins, to know that as we lay them before you, you'll never pass judgment, but that you will receive these with open arms. And as we left them to you today, God, may you hear the prayers that we lift, the burdens that we bear, the loved ones who are sick and are hurting, to know that we can find peace and comfort in your presence. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise as we offer to you our prayers. For we know that as we ask, we too are called to listen and to hear. So in this time, as we offer these our prayers, may we come but for a moment of silence to be filled with your spirit, to be still in your presence. Gracious God, we come. Merciful and loving God, we lift these our prayers to you. And we know that as we lift these our prayers, there's so many other things that weigh on our hearts and our minds. Prayers for the state of the world. Prayers for loved ones. Prayers for the stranger. Those who hunger and thirst. For those who are just tired and need but a moment of rest and refreshment. And the list of things goes on. And the needs of people continue. But God, as we become a community of prayer, may we also be a community in action, reaching out and ministering to the world around us. And as we offer our hands and our feet, so too we raise our voices, lifting up the prayer that your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, taught, that together we too might pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
As we prepare to receive our morning's gifts, tithes, and offerings, as the ushers come forward, a little birdie who will remain nameless asked, may we give generously and not give as the Scottish give, but I will not tell you who, I will not tell you the name of that individual who shared that.
Listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 32 through 40. King David said, Summon to me the priest Zadok, the prophet Nathan, and Benahiah, son of Jehoiada. When they came before the king, the king said to them, take with you the servants of your Lord and have my son Solomon ride on my own mule and bring him down to Gahan. There let the priest Zadok and the prophet Nathan anoint him king over Israel, then blow the trumpet and say, long live King Solomon. You shall go up following him. Let him enter and sit on my throne. He shall be king in my place, for I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. Benahiah, son of Jehadida, answered the king, Amen. May the Lord, the God of my Lord, the king, so ordain. As the Lord has been with my Lord, the king, so may he be with Solomon. And make this his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. So the priest Zadok, the prophet, prophet Nathan and Benahiah, son of Jehoiada, and the Seraphites and the Philistines went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and led him to Gahan. There the priest Zadok took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed him Solomon. Then they blew the trumpet and all the people said, long live King Solomon. And all the people went up following him, playing on pipes and rejoicing with great joy 
so that the earth quaked at their noise. This is God's word to God's people. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for the reading of your holy word. And this morning, ask your blessing to be upon it. More than words that we have just heard, even more than words printed on page with ink, but now these living words anointed by your spirit. And that, O oh God, now we pray as the good seed that finds its way to good soil, digs deep roots and brings forth harvest, that this now the seed of the word of God will dig deeply into the soil of our souls and bring to us a harvest unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, who is the living word of God and in whose name we pray. Amen. Before I begin my message today, I just had a couple of things to share. First, this is Tartan Sunday, and this day was designated on the 6th of April in 1998 by the United States Senate as a day to give commemoration to all those contributions made by Scottish Americans. Two very important people in this was firstly Peter Marshall and then Lloyd John Ogilvie, former pastor at the Presbyterian Church of Hollywood, when they both became uh, uh, chaplains to the United States Senate. And it was um, Peter Marshall, though, that started the first Kirk into the Tartan service and has subsequently gone across the country, many different denominations, all having a moment to remember the purpose of Tartan. Now, Tartan is a, a, is a symbol of family. It doesn't matter whether you're Scottish, Irish, or English. What it means is that everyone has a link to their family and to the pride of their roots. And so remember that day. However, United States senators do not know the church calendar very well. And they chose April 6th, which is always Palm Sunday, Easter, or other sometime that you can't do it. So we always hold this just a wee bit later than normal. Second thing is, when I submitted the scripture lesson for today, um, the staff called me back up and said, oh, Brian's preaching. <laughs> because Brian always preaches from the Old Testament, and I always preach from the New Testament. And the reason I always preach for the New Testament, I have much more sympathy on our liturgists than Brian does. <laughs> because they get all of these names. And I want to thank uh, David for doing such a good job of, of getting through those names. And, uh, you know, some of those tribes, the Cherubites and the Pelotites and the Termites and, <laughs> and uh, all of these people is really hard to get through. But I always tell anybody reading from the Old Testament, there really is a trick to it. Nobody knows how any of these names are pronounced. So anything you say is going to be perfectly all right because uh, scholars don't know how these names were even said. So uh, uh, thank you, David, for doing such a great job. <laughs> Brian, boo. <laughs> I once heard a story about a piper who was asked to pipe a funeral for a brief graveside service in a cemetery they had never been to before. And as he was not familiar with the area, he became lost. And being a typical man, he stopped to ask for directions. <laughs> not. <laughs> We never ask for directions, do we, honey? No. <laughs> but he finally arrived. He was a little late. As he entered the cemetery gates, he saw the backhoe and the crew near the front of the cemetery near the grave hole. 
and the crew were eating lunch, and the hearse was nowhere in sight, and so he went up and he apologized to the workers for his tardiness and stepped to the side of the open hole where he looked down and he saw that the vault lid was already in place. He assured the workers that he would not hold them up, but that he needed to do the proper thing. After all, he had been paid to do the service, and so he began to play, and he played with all of his heart and all of his soul, and he played, and he played like he had never played before. He went from going home to nearer my God to thee, to abide with thee, to finally finish with the wonderful, amazing grace. And then he walked to his car. And as he's opening the door and taking off his coat to put it in the car, he overheard one of the workers saying to another worker, Lord God Almighty, I have never seen nothing like that before in my life, and I have been putting in septic tanks for 20 years. <laughs> You really have to believe in grace if you play the bagpipes. We bagpipers are constantly kidded, and believe me, I have heard them all. And besides, you know, another issue is that you shouldn't give us such a bad time. Pipes are very expensive. This set of pipes is $7,000. And two weeks ago, I was at Starbucks. Can you believe it? And I had my pipes in the back of the car. I come out and the back window of my car is broken open. And I open the door and there's two sets of pipes. <laughs> I'm retiring. <laughs> but you know, it doesn't get any better in German where the bagpipes are called der Dudelsack. And the word doodle in German means kind of the same thing as it does in English, just kind of doodling. So a bagpiper is a guy just kind of doodling around with their pipes. But uh, uh, this is a couple years ago, Tammy and I were in Scotland, we're at Oog, and we're making our way on the ferry to uh, the Isle of Stornoway, uh, the Isle of Har uh, Harris where Stornoway is. And there was a German lady, and she came up to me, and I was dressed in McKill, and she saw the deal, and she didn't speak any English, but she said, Können Sie auch die Dudelsack spielen? And I said, natürlich. And so here I got a German lady dancing in Scotland uh, the, the Irish jig, or the Scottish jig on the, on the pier, uh, waiting to go to the Outer Islands. And I thought it was great. Uh, but um, uh, sack, we don't get any respect anywhere. Our scripture today from 1 Kings recalls the great coronation of King Solomon. And he is being anointed as the king of Israel by his son David, by his father David. And um, in this is great ceremony. Now, to this day, as part of the coronation ritual of the British monarch, the beautiful and stirring masterpiece by Handel called Zadok the Priest which culminates with this choir chorus from our scripture today, is set to trumpet responses and is sung, long live the king, long live the king, long live the king, right out of our scripture. However, if you were sharp enough to catch it, King Solomon was also heralded with all the people who went up following him playing on pipes, and rejoicing with great joy so that the earth quaked at their noise. 
Now, to tell you the truth, it just says pipes. It doesn't say bagpipes. But little pipes are not going to make the ground quake. <laughs> you know that the pipes outside on a hill can actually be heard miles away? And there is no quiet mode. You, you, you turn them on, and they're loud. You turn them off, and they're quiet. They're, they're, people say, can you play quietly? No, I can't play quietly. <laughs> no middle ground. And it's a fierce thing to see a kilted Scots platoon marching towards you with bagpipes leading the charge. Now, in World War I, the Germans, because of the fierceness of the Scots pipers, called the Scots the ladies from hell. <laughs> And some people, when I play, just say, that sounds like it's from hell. <laughs> Did you realize that there are 536 Gordon Pipers were shot leading their troops into battle in World War I? 90% of them were shot in the back. I've been saying it all month, fire me. <laughs> can you guess, can you guess what the number one bagpipe tune is asked around the world? Amazing Grace. Amazing grace. Can, would you hazard a guess on what the number one pipe tune that all pipers learn is their first tune? Amazing Grace. I have been to Scotland quite a few times. How many have been to Scotland? Let me see a hand. Okay, how about Ireland? How about England? So everybody's been kind of been around there. Uh, uh, the, the rest of you, if, uh, have you ever taken a cruise to the British Isles? That's great. If you, if you haven't been, you can take a cruise on Van Nuys Boulevard and it'll count. Okay. <laughs> Just last year, Tammy and I were at the Royal Military Tattoo in Edinburgh. Now, as Paul D. Houston points out in an article which he wrote as an educator from which I stole my sermon title today, Bagpipes and a Spot of Grace, he said that the Edinburgh tattoo is not a multicolored body engraving of a picture of the Queen, of Elizabeth, uh, Queen Elizabeth that says, Hail to the Queen, tattooed on one's arm. Rather, the royal tattoo is an incredible evening blending military maneuvers with a, with a music and a light show on the esplanade of Edinburgh Castle. Now, for most visitors, the highlight comes towards the end of the program when hundreds of bagpipers break out into amazing grace as the Scottish dancers start doing their dancing and the rockets are being set off into air. And you're moved to the depths of your soul when amazing grace is played in these wonderful words that we sang this morning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. For once I was... Lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. This hymn is a hymn that is sung about sin and redemption, despair and hope, darkness and salvation. It has moved countless millions of people since John Newton first wrote them in 1779. You see, Newton had been a slave trader. But he repented and became a minister of the gospel, working to his dying day for the abolition of slavery. It was John Wesley, the last letter he wrote on his deathbed, he wrote to John Newton to say to keep up the good work to end the slavery trade. It was in 1765 that John Wesley wrote John Newton and said, 
Love is the plainest thing in all the world. And Newton's hymn, Amazing Grace, was published a few years before Wesley's own death. Now, the roots of this song are clearly spiritual and religious. It is about God's gift of grace to humanity that frees us from past sins. Mr. Houston wrote of his own experience when he said, the tattoo is a kaleidoscope of color and sound and can't be fully described in words. You have to be there to fully get it. But it is a demonstration of grace itself. Performers and audience members come from all over the world. They set aside their differences and build off their own cultures to create a panoply of movement and sound that is like no other. But first and last in the performance are the bagpipe bands that blend this ancient music into heart-rending moments for the audience. Now, I admit that bagpipe music is not for everybody. You know, I don't even like gangster rap. <laughs> so when someone comes up, they say they don't like the bagpipe. It doesn't really bother me. You're going to hear it anyway. <laughs> And it may be an acquired taste, but there is something listening to bagpipe music bounce off the walls of an ancient castle a thousand years old. <clears throat> by stream or by lock, or off bonnie heathered bray. And there is a plaintive sound that breaks your heart when you understand that so much of the music of the pipes came from heartbreak and war and tears and the toil of the Scots people. Bagpipes are the sound of the soul of a nation, and I suppose that you're either born to it or you're not. You know, Scotland's a rugged land. Its mountains are stark and foreboding. The towns are built from the gray stone that covers the land. Yet the mountains are clothed in the shades in the summer of the greens and the purple heather. The ragged vastness creates a context for a lone crane or a deer or a wild horse to meet you in the middle of nowhere. It highlights what might otherwise be overlooked. And the towns are draped in this wonderful way that on the midst of the darkest day, in the midst of rain, in the midst of cloud, you can drive into a town and the first thing you notice will be the colored doors. Red, blue, green, purple. To call away from the darkness a spot of color. And the window boxes, all filled with their beautiful flowers of different colors. And so driving in, when everything was in the midst, now you're met, met by this wonderful spot of color in the middle of the grayness. That plainness frames the picture and the bright flashes of color from flower and door take the drabness of a dark Scottish day and brighten it. But to also walk in the glimmer in the summer gloaming at 10 at night when the sun is still up and everything is basked in a golden glow is to taste a little bit of heaven and grace upon earth. I'm glad you're here this morning because it's grace we're going to be talking about. A spot of grace. Those moments like a painted Scottish door or a planter before a window with its color. 
those moments when you least expect it, that you run into God's grace and it comes in and it touches your soul. I'm talking about those moments when you least expect it, that God comes in when you needed it the most, even when you didn't ask for it, even when you didn't know it, that God comes in and touches your life. And eternity comes into time, and earth will never quite be the same again. You see, we didn't deserve it. We're all sinners. Did you, did you know that? You're a sinner. Anybody have to figure that out? Did you ever have to figure out that you can't do enough to earn God's love? Do you ever realize that you can't pay enough to buy it? Like a flash of color from a flower box in a remote Scottish village that transforms the gray stonework around it and changes everything. Just a spot of color is all it takes. So just a spot of grace coming from God allows us to remember today that though we don't deserve it, wretches that we are, God still brings us God's love. And when it happens, we know it. It's God's grace. It shines through in ways we never thought possible, but His touch is ever sure. Because, you see, we're made different. We become better, peaceful, more godly. Not many of us have ever met a bona fide living saint, but every one of us has known of one who lived in our midst until her death not long ago. Mother Teresa will certainly go down in history as one of the modern saints of our time. If there was one distinguishing feature of Mother Teresa, it was her phenomenal impact on the modern world from an old world woman. She has literally transformed the thinking and lives of millions of people. In fact, her impact has been as great on the minds of people who are not Christians as well as Christians. Mother Teresa's message was simple. She said this, Be holy and you will do wonders in the lives of everyone your life touches. She said, be united with God and he will work miracles through you beyond your wildest dreams. You see, our task in life, Mother Teresa said, is to bring Jesus to others. To bring a spot of grace to those around us like a flower in the midst of a Scottish dreary winter. She said, it is to bring a place where your compassion and your love can make the difference in the life of another person. And I will always remember the story of Mother Teresa bending over the body of a leper she was caring for and wiping the brow with her own hand, one of the untouchables in her culture, a person decimated by their disease and close to death, and a reporter covering the scene came up to her and said, Mother, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. To which kindly mother looked up and said, neither would I. That is grace brought by Jesus to others. You see, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to be a teacher or a saint to understand this. 
All we need is a willingness to be used by God like a brilliant flower in a flower box on a dreary gray day. Right where you are, you can bring, bring a spot of grace, a splash of color in the lives of the people around you. By your presence, by a word, by an act of love of compassion, by a hand on a shoulder, you become the hands and feet and love and heart of God to a world that is dying to know love and grace. So I'm asking you this week to go out and be a spot of grace to someone else. You can think of someone that you might be able to touch, or it could be just someone that comes into your path when you least expected it. Because it can be as amazing grace because you cared. Maybe just to listen, just to be there, just to be part of a life more than you can ever know. Let me share with you a story. Just last week, I piped for a funeral. I had conducted the service. We went to graveside with military honors. I piped. Following the service, a woman came up to me with tears in her eyes. She was not a member of the family. And she said to me, my own father died three weeks ago. He didn't want a funeral. And we kept his wishes. But it was the worst thing we ever did because I have not been able to grieve and my life is filled with tears. She looked straight into my eyes and she said, when you played Amazing Grace, I felt all of my emotions rushing through me and I at last could say goodbye to my father. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I didn't do anything. I was just there. But even when I least expected it, God used me. You see, in life, grace is mandatory. Bagpipes are optional. <laughs> I love you all more than you'll ever know. God bless you, and this week, Bring Jesus through you to the world because you see that's what amazing grace is all about. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for that amazing grace that has set us free. We didn't earn it. We can't pay for it. We can't be good enough to receive it. We can only receive it because you love us so much. May we help someone this week to know that grace. And like a spot of color in the dreary night, may it brighten a soul, a life, a heart. Because we were Jesus to someone else. In his name we pray. Amen. In your order of service, you'll find our blessing of the Tartan prayer. 
And what we'll be doing is saying that together. And as we do, remember, you don't have to be Celtic to have a blessing for your family because tartan just means family. The word clan in Gaelic means family. And families are called together by the color. What's the color of your family? It's your love. It's who you are. It's what you do together. And so as we bless the tartans, may we bless every family that believes that family is such an important part of our lives. Would you join with me? On behalf of the generations, for all those in ages past who have borne tartans as symbols of their commitment to one another and who have bequeathed to their descendants a sound heritage and pride of homeland, we give God thanks. May we never forget that our family is a gift to be shared, that the stranger may be as welcome as the brother or sister. Never let us forget is a faith as responsibility to be shared and not a treasure to be hoarded. We ask God's blessing upon the Tartans that they may ever be worn in peace and upon us that God's peace may rule in our hearts and lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May we stand as we join in our hymn of dedication number 303, the day of resurrection. And in this afterglow of Easter, know that Jesus Christ truly is risen.
as you hold one another's hand, may you please remain as we are led out to the pipes with amazing grace. And remember that God's grace is sufficient for us. That God's grace will never leave us. And that, our, that grace might be shared with one another as you continue to hold fast to those hands that hold yours. So go forth in God's grace this day and evermore.